Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. See, I'm much more organized when I'm not discombobulated by doing like a mobile version like I did yesterday. Today is Friday, May 10th. Last day of my working week. And tomorrow I head to Nebula Conference. This time tomorrow I will be on an airplane, hopefully. <laughs> Crossing fingers, right? So I had fun having coffee yesterday. Um, Rebecca Roanhorse did not make it. Uh, she <laughs> text, tweeted us later and said sorry that she was up late writing and overslept. And uh, What exactly did she say? Because we started riffing about... Um, how we would have to check the bushes. Oh, I asked her if she hid in the bushes until we left. She didn't reply to that. The others did, but I don't think she thought I was funny. So. Uh, I thought it was funny. Mostly because I'm enough of an introvert, depending upon my particular mood, that um, I've been known to uh, duck company rather than face it so I don't hold it against her at all but um, Emily Ma was there and then of course John L. Forrest who was down from Denver J.L. Forrest and uh, Jack Jack um, how does he do he introduced himself as Jack and he writes as J. Barton Mitchell. This, my friends, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my life. So, being a writer, one of the best perks about being a writer is that you get to be friends with other writers. So, like, you get to, like, if you read an amazing book, you can actually contact that author and make them be your friend. With varying degrees of success. You know, not everybody wants to be friends. But a lot of people do. And you end up getting to be friends. You know, it's sort of like um, my childhood self would be over the moon. You know, at some of the people that I get to be friends with. Uh, at the same time, it uh, causes me some grief. You know, like I'm super bummed that, uh, well, now three of the most influential female writers in my growing up years have died. Um, Emma McCaffrey died some time ago before I got to meet her. Uh, Tanith Lee died a couple of years ago. And now Vonda McIntyre passed away earlier this year. At the Nebula Conference, I do get to moderate a panel on reviewing the life and work of Vonda McIntyre. So that'll be cool. Um, Something that my younger self would also be terribly giddy about. Isn't that cool that I get to do things like that? So, But it feels like a personal grief to me when they died. Although I think that would have been true um, even if I were not a writer and still connected with them only as a reader. Uh, so, you know, that's a really great part of it is that you get to be friends with writers. The downside of being friends with writers is that they have so many names. <laughs> you never know what to call them. 
most writers have two names, at least. They have the name by which they that they put on their books and by which they are publicly known. And they have the name that they introduce themselves as when you have coffee. So that's why I run into things like that, you know, when this guy says, hi, I'm Jack. And, you know, we kind of look at each other and he says, I think we've seen each other at, and I said, yeah, at things, you know, we sort of recognize each other. And we got along very well. He was an entertaining guy and enjoyed talking to him. Uh, and so then when I look at his books to sort of link up his books to him, he writes as J. Barton Mitchell. Um, and then he has this very coy bio. I would love to ask him about that because he's so it says he lives in Austin. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure you're living right here in Santa Fe. But he also had in there Santa Fe and Towson. So next time I see him, I'm going to have to get that story. He's definitely not living in Austin. So anyway, it was fun. Um, we just, you know, chatted industry and business and life and writing and craft and one of my favorite kinds of uh, writerly interactions. You know, I used to be in a crit group here in Santa Fe. Um, a few years ago, I was invited to join this crit group, and I went for a couple of years. Uh, we met pretty much like once a month. Sunday afternoons, and I very much enjoyed the socializing of it, but uh, the critique just wasn't working for me. Um, you know, I think we just are at different places in our career, different places in our craft, and at this point in time, usually my schedule is tight enough that I don't have a whole lot of time for revision when I, before I send it to my editor. And then I also, um, I don't know, there's only some kinds of input that I want. And the group wasn't a perfect fit so far as what I was trying to do. But I missed talking to writers, so I was glad that I got to hook up with these folks. And I might try to go. They, they get together on Thursday mornings at 8 for coffee. Maybe I'll go and take my laptop and sit there and like try to get... That's the only thing is it disrupts my writing. So now I'm sort of toying with possibilities that maybe I'll, um, I won't work out, won't lift weights on Thursday morning and instead try to write for an hour before I go and then take my laptop with me and maybe write for an hour there. So at least I can get a certain chunk of words under my belt that might help so I don't feel, because yesterday I didn't start writing until like 1130 and I was home earlier than that. I was home by 10. I bet I was home by 10. Maybe even earlier. Maybe even by like 9.30. Eh, 9.30 quarter 10. Doesn't matter. Uh, but then I I kind of had to screw around. I, you know, did the dishes and um, looked at email and internet, which, you know, I, I'm not supposed to do before I write, but I think it's because I was discombobulated. So I just have to find a way to work that into my, into my schedule. So, and let's see. Yeah. And I, it, it might be different if I'm like going full speed, which I'm just not right now on the fate of the Tala. 
Um, I think I started to talk about changing up the beginning of yesterday, and then I got distracted by traffic, which is why I probably shouldn't podcast while I drive. But that may end up being our Thursday morning deal. So uh, maybe as I get used to it, you guys will uh, get more actual narrative and less commentary. <laughs> oh, alas. It would be interesting to uh, like get them to weigh in on the podcast for a little bit. That might be fun, too do that too a podcast with whoever's there do the question of the day um, but changing at the beginning so this is this is something that I do quite a bit and I know I talked a while back about a uh, an aspiring writer a newbie writer who was aghast at some critique that she was um, had problems with overall. But one of her complaints was that um, the people giving the critique had told an already published writer that the story that she had submitted for critique started in the wrong place. And, and it was with considerable horror. That was a, a damning thing. You know, like, how could you possibly tell a published author, that they've started their new story in the wrong place. Which was astonishing to me because <laughs> finding the right place to start the story is one of the most difficult things of writing a book. I'm probably of writing a story. I think um, where in our minds the story starts is not the place that we need to start for the reader. You could write that down. I'd probably work it, make it a little more succinct if you like. But it's um, it, it's just one of those great truths that the way that the ex- story exists in our head, that as writers we can see the roots of the story going way back, and but that's not what the reader needs to walk into the story. And a good example of this would be um, that we all have that friend, right? The friend who says, oh my God, you won't believe what happened to me at the store today. And you say, what? What happened? And And they'll say, well, so this morning I woke up. And I was out of coffee, right? Because, you know, Joe, he always drinks all of the coffee and he never tells me when we're out, right? You know, and so you have to hear this whole long diatribe before you ever get to the point of what happened to me at the store today. And in the storyteller's mind, this is a very important pathway because it all leads up to what happened at the store. Uh, But... Very often, you will be impatient with listening to this story, right? Because you're wanting, you were introduced to it as, guess what happened at the store today? Uh, And the rest of it is what we call backstory, right? And so backstory needs to be woven in, and you need to find the correct point at which to enter the story. So a better way to tell that story, to go with my, I don't know, not brilliant analogy, but it would go something like, 
guess what happened to me at the store today? So I'm go I have my cart, I'm going down the coffee aisle and because I needed to buy more coffee. Because you know Joe, he doesn't ever tell me when we've run out of coffee. So I'm already in a bad mood. And I'm going down the aisle. So you can see how that backstory got woven in for emotional context. Uh, so I had started the fate of the Tala with what I felt like was the inciting emotional incident for my heroine, which it is. Uh, oh, I just slipped, didn't I? So now you know it's a heroine. Although that was a gimme because they've all been heroines except for the novellas. Um, <laughs> Library Addict says I'm going to make it like halfway through the book. We're at like, I'm at like 10,000 words now. It's We're not going to make it. <laughs> um, but this is the inciting emotional incident for my heroine. And it launched into a conversation. But I realized as I was writing and, you know, and sort of working all of this in that it wasn't the right place to start the story because the emotional interaction is not the... It's not the most critical thing at that moment. What's important is... Um, the backdrop of the threat that they are under. And so I actually wrote an entire chapter that happens, a chapter in some that happens before that moment um, that will help set the stakes for the story. That's more of the, I'm in the store and I'm pushing the grocery cart down the aisle. And so, And some of that has to do with internal and external arcs, which we talk about... Um, in, in most stories, you know, that the external conflict is um, what's being, what's coming from the outer world and acting upon the character, whereas the internal content, conflict is coming from how they feel about themselves, how their emotional life. Um, in many romances, the primary conflict is internal. It's mostly about the emotional journey to love. Um, to be able to love and be loved in very dense plot stories like a mystery or a thriller, the primary conflict is external. There may be no internal conflict. Um, you know, like, a, well, I don't read enough of them to give a good example. But, you know, like, a well, James Bond. How about James Bond? I read some of the Ian Fleming books. You know, James Bond doesn't have a whole lot of internal conflict. They, they give him some every once in a while where he gnashes his teeth because teeth <laughs> gnashes his teeth because yet another of his femme fatales have been killed off by the bad guys. But it doesn't last very long. And James Bond doesn't really grow as a character. Maybe he grows some over the course of the books. But for the most part, it's external conflict. And, you know, and he's the badass spy who deals with the external conflict. In books that are cross-genre or, I don't know, a certain style of book. I don't know if I want to say it's entirely cross-genre. But in writing fantasy romance, for me a whole lot of times, the fantasy arc is the external conflict. And then the romance arc is the internal conflict. It's the um, 
you know, kind of figuring their shit out. And where the beats are, what the turning points and the big dramatic moments and inciting incidents are, tend to give more weight to one arc or the other. Um, if you're doing it really well, if you're really on your game, then those beats will happen, um, if not simultaneously, then coincidentally. So that the black moment in the battle against the big bads will coincide with the black moment in the love affair or emotional journey. So that's, um, that's the sweet spot if you can get that to happen. So I realized that by starting out with the emotional inciting moment um, that I had given weight to the emotional journey in a way that's probably not appropriate for this book, which is going to be the culmination of uh, this big war, right? So I decided I better start out with with more things. So that's why I did. That's why I changed it at the beginning. So, um, I don't know. I don't have much else to say. I will, um, I will see about podcasting next week. I know I often say I will and then I don't, but I will be with, um, writerly type friends and we're going to be doing some writing and maybe we can do some podcasting. Maybe I can get Kelly and Alex on here. Uh, Nathan Lowell is going to be there and he, I would still like to do the, uh, simultaneous first cup of coffee and thoughts on my morning walk. I think that would be really entertaining. I have to see if I could talk Nathan into it. So yeah. All right. Well, you all have a great week. Um, it's, I'm looking at my window and it's snowing right now. It's, it's, we got rain and rain and rain and it's been cool. And now it's, you know, it's like not accumulating, but you can see the white flakes in the air. <laughs> coldest, coldest May I can, well, I can't tell if it's the coldest May I can recall or coldest spring. It's, uh, uh yeah, I, it sure feels long, but I can't tell if this is the worst ever. Good news is lots of moisture. We love the moisture. And at least, you know, there have been years when we were already baking hot by this time of year. And uh, I'm, it's good not to have that. It would be nice to have summer, but <laughs> there we go. So I added a picture of the lilacs and the rain. It's all well and good. You guys will have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.